This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you can learn to work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday War Games, episode 23. My name is Gareth Kidney. I introduced myself this week because I'm all by my lonesome. I have no co-host. Liam continues to be homeless. If you perchance have a rental property in Melbourne, please, Liam will give you money for it. He doesn't want charity. He just wants to give somebody money for a place to live. It's a it's a sad state of affairs, but until then, you just got me. Not even Rob this week, because I assume NXT broke him. I didn't actually ask. I could not possibly put him through it. Two weeks in a row after last week, uh, categorically broke the poor man. Poor Rob. This is what you get for watching NXT, or this is what you get for me asking you to watch NXT and then you doing me a favor by, in fact, watching NXT. So it's just me here on my own. I'll probably try to keep this relatively short, because who wants to listen to me for an hour? Frankly, not even I want to listen to me for an hour. So we'll, we'll blitz through these shows, and you can have my esteemed takes on these episodes of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite and WWE NXT. Last week, AEW won pretty comprehensively. This week, we will kick off with All Elite Wrestling, which kicked off with Hangman Page being mean to the Young Bucks. I continue to enjoy Like, Hangman Page is a jerk. In like on like every level, he's a mean person who's mean to the nice guy Young Bucks, but he's a cool guy. He's he's justified in his jerkdom. That makes sense, doesn't it? Those are words. Before we opened AEW with Cody versus Ortiz, which was a good, solid, fun match. I think better than some of the recent Cody affairs. I thought it was better than the MJF match at Revolution, frankly. A good, you know those 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 pardon the puns. Smoke and mirrors Cody matches that you're you're well used to at this stage, but they're always very fun. And Ortiz is really good. Ortiz's hair, that man's hair is like frankly extraordinarily impressive. It's like so wide. You're used to seeing froze, but not one like that consumes his head in a way that's extraordinarily impressive. And really, I admire every week. He could hide weapons. Someone mentioned that he could hide weapons in his hair. He should hide weapons in his hair. He could hide multiple weapons in his hair. Jake the Snake Roberts entered through the crowd and brought his big agent, the person that he's managing, is Lance Archer. I, I, I really don't know why they didn't reveal that last week. Because, why not? If your big reveal is him just walking out through the crowd with the guy who's his client, why not just, why not just do that last week? Why not have Archer attack him? Or have Jake Roberts do a big introduction for Lance Archer? And then you also don't false advertise Lance Archer like they did last week. So they, they tick both of those boxes of a better introduction and avoiding false advertisement, which I think is an admirable thing most people should do. But yes, they came through the crowd. Jake Roberts is a large man. Lance Archer is an even larger man, so they fit together in that regard, I guess. Through the match, they were watching attentively, and at one stage, Archer feigned to jump the rail, but he didn't. So they're holding back on physicality between Cody and Archer, but Cody and Archer is a program. I assume after Blood and Guts, if any of that still happens in this this era of COVID-19 and shows being cancelled, we'll find out what happens to AEW in the coming weeks, because I can only imagine that some of those shows will be cancelled and whether or not they'll try and set up some kind of weird alternative, some kind of empty arena shows, who knows? But for now, we're still in the dark. None of the shows are not officially cancelled as of me speaking into this microphone right now. Cody defeated Ortiz in a good fun match. After the match, 
I'll get the, the, the way they do attacks it's way too often in the closing angle because they do it over and over again and you're kind of sick of seeing the same angle over and over again. But the, the Santana attacks, he's run off by Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega, but not Nick Jackson. Where's Nick Jackson, you ask? He's backstage after being attacked by the Elite. They have slammed his head in one of those uh, door things, those metal doors that I'm sure have more specific names than metal doors, like cargo doors. You know, you know the ones. His head is bleeding. He's laid out on the floor. Good chance Nick Jackson has been murdered. <laughs> it looked very gruesome. It wasn't just your, like your standard wrestling. He's lying on the floor and they tell you attacked him. They, they suggested that they did in fact slam his head in a cargo door, which I'm pretty sure would probably kill somebody if you actually did it. If you actually crushed somebody's skull with a cargo door, it would hurt a lot and you would probably die. Also, Jericho called the elite Pumpkinhead dipshits, which is a very good insult, a very Chris Jericho insult. Chris Jericho is a walking meme in the best way. The man can turn literally anything into a meme, and it is delightful. Nyla Rose and the returning B Priestley defeated Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida after the match. It was a good match, actually, a fun little uh, tag team match in the women's division. After the match, B Priestley turned on her partner, laid out Nyla Rose, posed with the women's title belt, and there is, I guess, your first program coming out of Revolution is. B Priestley returning and facing Nyla Rose. I assume she'll win a few more matches before she actually gets a title shot so that they justify it in their rankings. But that's a fun, fresh match, and it's nice to have some new fresh blood, even if it's like she hasn't appeared, I think, since November. It's relatively fresh blood in the women's division. And yeah, match was solid. Daniels did a, a, a spoof of the Dark Order infomercials, which is very good. Chris Daniels is, I think, like a historically underrated promo. If you go back to his like 2005 stuff when he was X Division champion, that man can talk, and that man can talk real well. And he's probably one of those people that people would have beaten with the stick of, oh, he doesn't have personality. And he really talks totally does. Chris Daniels is great. So he has challenged Uno and Grayson to singles matches. He doesn't care when or where, but he will face them in singles matches. They will finally, apparently, they've announced this later in the show, they will reveal the Exalted one next week, which I'm saying about time. I said if they didn't reveal it on this episode of Dynamite, I'd lose interest. They announced they'd reveal it on this episode of Dynamite. So they won me on a technicality. But if they don't announce it next week, I don't care anymore. You've dragged the Exalted one out far too long and I lose interest. But we'll see. Hopefully they will in fact actually announce the Exalted one next week. Otherwise I'm bored and I'm moving on. MJF the Butcher and the Blade defeated Jurassic Express in a really really fun, one of two really really fun six man tag matches on this show. Like there's so many trios in this company because Death Triangle defeated the team of Private Party and Joy Janela. I'll talk about these matches in twos because there's really not much to say about them other than they were really good matches and Death Triangle looked good and MJF won, I guess. I think the, the, the actual finish of the match wasn't great. It, it, it felt a little bit flat, but the match itself, full of action, really great match. MJF, I assume, is is, is building toward a Moxley program? I don't know. He, he's, he mentioned moving on to a title challenge last week. I do think they'll come back to Cody, but Cody is busy with Lance Archer for a while and still with the Elite and Inner Circle feud. So MJF beat uh, Marco Stunt with the Salt of the Earth, immediately submitted him with his little armbar deal. Yeah, There's a lot of like really good solid matches on this show. This was an enjoyable show full of good solid wrestling matches. Like Cody and, uh, nothing great, but Cody and Ortiz, the, um, and two, the both six-man tag matches, the main event was alright, and 
the women's match was good, but yeah, a lot of a lot of good solid wrestling. This was a, a very wrestling heavy show, but I think what angles were there were good angles. The Nick Jackson attack a couple of promos later and showed the Daniels Dark Order uh, spoof. All very good little little interludes to push these stories along. A tad less good, Britt Baker and Swole are now feuding over their respective husbands who work in another company, which is like, all right, I'd rather not these women be defined by who they're married to, but sure, if that's going to be the basis of their program. But yeah, Baker was doing a Tony promo. She was interrupted by Swole. Baker tossed coffee on her and ran away. So that's your build to Swole and Britt Baker sometime soon. We had the Death Triangle against Joy Janelle in Private Party match. I think this is like the best role for Joy Janelle in Private Party. Just undercard, not quite jobbers, but guys to just have good matches with people you're actually pushing. Because I don't think any of them are really ready to be pushed by themselves yet. But this is a nice way to get them on the show, get them doing good things on the show without actually like totally getting behind them quite yet. Because uh, Private Party had that really good match with the Young Bucks and then kind of slid into obscurity and I think for relatively good reason. Because uh, as good as they are in certain environments, there are environments in which they are a tad less good. So this kind of role where they're they're there to, like they're wrestling Pac, Pentagon and Phoenix. If you can't have a good match with those three human beings, you should retire, <laughs> like legitimately. If you're in a match with Pac, Pentagon and Phoenix and you cannot have a good match with them, there is no hope for you in pro wrestling. And they had a good match with them. They had a really good match with them. And Pac is the best wrestler in the world, probably. And Pentagon Phoenix are the best tag team in the world, probably. They won one of those tag team awards the other week. And obviously the Wrestling Observer Awards. So they, they were voted comprehensively the best tag team in the world last year. So yeah. If you can't have a good match with them. But they did. So what am I talking about? Joey Janelle and Private Party. This is why I need a co-host. I just end up saying things without actually saying anything of substance or anything of meaning. Because there's not a lot of depth to some of these. Like these two six-man tags are both like, we want MJF to win a match. He has partners. We want that triangle to win a match. And like th that's the function of these. Just to give these new units matches. As I said, they, they need trios titles. They have enough trios. They have really good trios division. They can throw in elite trios. They can throw in inner circle trios. I, I can only imagine. Because between best friends. Death Triangle. Joining it on Private Party. MJF. Butcher and the Blade. Jurassic Express. Elite Inner Circle. Uh, strong Hearts. If they still exist. There's a bunch of great trios in this company. There's, there's more than enough room for trios belts. In fact, I think they are necessary to get a lot of these people on the show doing something of import rather than having matches where you're just establishing that they're trios. Speaking of setting up feuds with trios, Death Triangle attacked after the match and Best Friends and Orange Cassidy made the save. Setting up Best Friends against the Lucha Bros next week on Dynamite. So that's pretty solid. The show running angle was who's going to team with Hangman Page. So the opening... Uh, video on the show was Hangman Page blowing off the Young Bucks and who's going to team with them? Uh, Dustin Rhodes just volunteered and he's going to team with them. Sure. Uh, they, they shouldn't do mystery partners if it's just going to be Dustin Rhodes, you know? That's that's Liam. That's officially that's a Liam take as well. Liam was DMing me. He was very upset that it was just Dustin Rhodes. Just announce it being Dustin Rhodes. Don't be like Kenny can't compete. Hangman has to find a partner. And it's, it's just Dustin. It's one of the less interesting potential people he could have picked as well like it, I was hoping that he would in fact pick a Jackson and then Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson would lose the fall and then he'd get really mad at them and that would set up a tag title match next week where Kenny comes back and they win thus proving that Kenny Omega is better than the Jacksons creating dissension between the Young Bucks I'm booking the story now come on give me the pencil Tony come on uh, Sean Spears is looking for a partner. There are a bunch of applicants, including some well-known indie names, but who, who knows who will team with Sean Spears in the end. The rules for Blood and Guts are... It's, it's a war games match. 
That's that's it. It's a War Games match. It's not even any difference. It's just War Games. Next week, assuming there is an AEW Dynamite next week, Lucha Bros versus Best Friends, these all the ones revealed, plus the Elite versus Inner Circle in the trios match to gain the man advantage in Blood and Guts. Gio interviewed John Moxley. He's mad, but he's going to come back. And he's going to attack the Inner Circle, and the Inner Circle are distracted by the Elite, and that's, that's why they should be afraid, because while they're distracted, he's still waiting on the wings to attack them from what he called their blind spot. Good John Moxley promo. John Moxley. That brings us to our main event, in which... Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes defeated Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, and then they, they, like it was a good match. It was a perfect fine match. Nothing you'll remember in the ever in the rest of your life. And then the post match angle was the same post match angle they've run like fifteen or sixteen times on Dynamite at this stage. It's just everyone runs in. There's a big brawl. Someone else runs in. It runs wild, gets cut off. Someone else runs in, runs wild, gets cut off. There's a big brawl between the elite and the inner circle before the inner circle stand tall. I get they're building toward war games or blood and guts. I get they're building toward a big team versus team match. But could they perhaps a little more interestingly set up these brawls than the exact same? kind of layout of running cut off running cut off running cut off brawl big moment one team stands tall and they've done this multiple times like they did it a ton towards the start of dynamite when like the elite and inner circle feud was in theory at its peak though i suppose it should be at its peak leading into uh, blood and guts but yeah i'm sick of seeing it it's 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 the same brawl every time do something a little more interesting i don't know that's Dynamite. A good episode of Dynamite. Again, a, a good, solid building stories, good promos from Mox, good promos from Daniels. It's it's nothing like special go out of your way to see, but the Cody and Ortiz and the two six-man tags were really good, and all the stories they set up more or less made sense. And yeah, it's just one of those good, solid, easy-to-watch two hours of television that it won't change your life, but you certainly won't feel like you've wasted your time watching the whole two hours. Because pretty much nothing on the show was bad. I didn't like the Swole and Britt Baker promo. But other than that, I think pretty much nothing on the show was bad. Wow. Wow, Garrett. That was a really, really good point. And I'm sure we'll come back for some of your great takes. That's right. It's me, Liam. You may know me from such shows as the Wednesday War Games and... Yep. And you may be wondering, um, Liam, why are you here? Don't Aren't you homeless or whatever? Yeah, that's right, I am. But I've come back with some very important information, and that's about GetRoman.com slash VOW. Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in a major US city, and if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP, and you want it quick, you want it effective, and you want it... You don't want to be going to no doctors, not not, not in this day and age. It's, it's all very confronting experience at the moment. So that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get treatment you need ASAP and on your schedule. Just grab your phone, your computer, your tablet, whatever you need. Complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And if a doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups from your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with the ED, go to GetRoman.com VOW for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com VOW for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Now let's go back to Garrett with his hot NXT takes. Take it away, girl. 
Thank you for that wonderful ad read, Liam, which takes us in to WWE NXT, which opened with Keith Lee against Cameron Grimes. It was a good match. I actually enjoyed this match a decent amount. I thought Grimes was really, really good in this match, though the, the hashtag was NXT NA title. So it had TNA in the hashtag and it was very upsetting for me. I couldn't unsee it. And also Trevor Lee was in the match. So Trevor Lee can never escape TNA. It's always in the hashtag on the screen following him. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Grimes in this match. I thought this was one of her, his, his better NXT performances. I thought he was really, really good here as the guy desperately trying to take down Keith Lee and kind of stick and move and stick and move and not get caught by the big guy and eventually get caught by the big guy and get beaten. It was a, a nice little TV title defense for Keith Lee. After the match, Damian Priest jumped Keith Lee from behind with a nightstick. Keith Lee, I don't think... I think the idea of this angle is Keith Lee didn't see who attacked him. So when Damian Priest jumps Keith Lee... Then Dijakovic comes out, runs off Damien Priest, then Keith Lee lays out Dijakovic. The idea, I think, was that Lee thought it was Dijakovic that attacked him, so he laid out Dijakovic. But it just felt like, not quite a heel turn, because the, the, the announcers didn't play it up as a heel turn. But like, oh, I think only Beth explained that, oh wait, did he not realise who actually attacked him? Instead of, you know, leaving some ambiguity there about whether or not Keith Lee just randomly attacks Dijakovic for no reason. But this also leads into one of my major problems with this show. A problem I will have to throw to show until the end of time because it keeps being a problem. Like, Grimes beat Dijakovic two weeks ago, Lee beat Grimes this week, then Priest beats down Lee, and then Lee beats up Dijakovic some more, and like this is all going to probably lead to Lee beating Priest, and then probably back to Dijakovic and Lee, there's tr truly no way of knowing. But at every step of that, somebody looks like a nerd. So Grimes beat Dijakovic, so Dijakovic lost. Lee beats Grimes, so Grimes lost. Priest beats down Lee, so uh, Lee, Lee, Lee looks like a nerd, he just won his match but he got beat up, so he's a dope. And then just to, you know, Cherry on top, kick dirt in the eyes of Dijakovic. He's beaten up at the end of the segment as well. Who's meant to get over here? At what stage is like anybody supposed to gain any amount of momentum on this television show if they're only pushed for two weeks at a time? Not even two weeks. They're only pushed for a week at a time until their purpose has been served and then they disappear back into the NXT midcard until they pop up again. Like Mercedes Martinez was announced for a match next week on NXT. And I'm like, oh yeah. She's on this show because she disappeared. And this, the second match on the show had the exact same problem. Mia Yim defeated Dakota Kai to gain a spot in the uh, ladder match over WrestleMania weekend. And I'm just like, what? So Dakota Kai won the cage match last week. She defeated Teague Knox. Then she wrestles Mia Yim this week and loses. So you have her win the feud with Tegan Knox and then immediately have her lose to Mia Yim, but then Mia Yim doesn't even gain anything out of it because Mia Yim is immediately attacked by Raquel Gonzalez and laid out. So I'm like, who here is meant to get over? Knox lost, Kai lost, Yim won, but then Yim got beaten up. So Raquel Gonzalez, I guess, is the only one that's meant to get over here. The one person who's not in any of these wrestling matches. And this this is such a problem with the show that you watch these people have matches. And like Kushida, these are all leading into points. So Kushida wrestles Raul Mendoza. But Kushida, we last saw him losing to Adam Cole. He had the mini feud with Cameron Grimes over the hat, which I'm pretty sure he won, maybe. But then before that, he lost to Walter. So Kushida here will win against Raul Mendoza. But for what? What's he being built up for? 
it's it's so frustrating to watch the show every single week and there's there's very little like week to week connectivity to to pushes no one is pushed for more than a week at a time i don't understand it what are like they write these shows so that Lee loses every so often and Grimes loses every so often and Dijakovic loses every so often and Dakota Kai has the big feud defining win but then immediately loses the following week and then Tegan Knox has the big feud defining loss and immediately wins the following week. It's like no one has sustained momentum. Chelsea Green loses her debut to Caden Carter but then wins her way into the ladder match and it's it's all just it all just blends into all these people being stuck in an NXT mid-card going nowhere. It's so, like, it's so WWE. And this is meant to be the good show. This is meant to be the different show. The show that's better. The show, the good WWE show. The work right show. The indie show. The super PWG show. And it has all the exact same storytelling faults that they can't push any of these people for longer than two weeks. Because... I really enjoyed Kushida and Ramondo's. It was like it was basically a squash, but it was a really good squash and a squash that reminded you, oh geez, Kushida, he's a real great wrestler, isn't he? He's probably one of the best wrestlers in this company right now, but he's never doing anything on NXT. Why? And he beat Raul Mendoza here, who we'll talk about more in a second, but he's not going to go anywhere. And nobody goes anywhere. Nobody like builds up any momentum. It's so frustrating to watch. It's just so deeply frustrating to invest, like, anything in their storytelling because their storytelling usually, like, disappears within a week. But Kushida's great. That's the, the moral of the story there is Kushida's phenomenal. He really should be doing more on this television show. There's another one of those uh, videos that are that's probably cut across. They interviewed Tyler Breeze backstage, and guess what? He was in me, he was talking, waiting to be interrupted by Austin Theory, who said he watched Tyler Breeze in NXT when he was in high school. And I'm like... I was only like a few years ago. I think that's kind of like burying yourself more than it's burying Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze is, it's not like Tyler Breeze is Goldberg from the 90s. And you're like, oh, all the way back then, you old man. It's like, oh, look at you all the way back in 2014. All right. Cool. Uh, Breeze took a picture of him and then he said he looked good for a flash in a pan. And probably the highlight of all of NXT, you could audibly hear somebody in the crowd saying, got him. And that person... Give them a medal. Give them some kind of award because they deserve it. Because he was, in fact, gotten. Rhea Ripley comes out and she's talking. What's she talking about? Who possibly know? Because she's waiting to be interrupted by Charlotte. Charlotte comes out with a crowd chant, you don't go here, to which she responds, she made here, which is a great line. And then she immediately goes into her scripted drivel that no one could possibly care about and makes me think, oh God, what if she actually improvised these promos and actually engaged with the material and the person instead of just spouting whatever was putting on the script for her for NXT. Because, yeah, this is a great line. You don't go here. Yeah, I made here. Burn. Dumb crowd. Charlotte is one of the... She is legitimately one of the NXT icons. She did, in fact, she's a pillar of the brand. So she can say that with credibility and puts the crowd in her place. And, yeah, more of, like, just let these people be themselves, for the love of God. Do we have to force them to be some kind of bizarre character saying scripted lines? Because that's the problem with Rhea Ripley in this feud. That she's like, gee golly, the grandeur and spectacle of WrestleMania is so much. And then Charlotte's like, oh, you won't be able to handle the grandeur and spectacle of WrestleMania 
Mania. Look at all these seats. These are small seats. It's going to be big seats. I didn't even talk about it. This show was in the WWE Performance Center. I forgot about that. Which was very strange because it was basically a scale replica of NXT at full sale. It looked exactly the same. Which is very strange that it's just smaller. It's just a smaller version of NXT at full sale that they built within the Performance Center. It's, it's very strange to see that. But alas. I'm so confused as to why they didn't do NXT on the road for a week. Because this is the perfect opportunity for them to go, we can test this in a market that we think will do well, and if it does well, we can test it further, and if it does very badly, we can say, oh, it was only a one-week deal because Full Sail wasn't available. I have no idea why they didn't do it. They just wasted an opportunity to like freely test market NXT on the road without having to actually commit to it and having a built-in excuse if they don't want to commit to it, but they decided not to. They aired it from the Performance Center instead, which it looked like NXT. It was basically, it looked the exact same. But yeah, this this feud between Charlotte and Rhea Ripley is dumb. Because it's like, you can't cut it in the big leagues. The WrestleMania big, you small. And Rhea Ripley's not a badass anymore. She's like, oh, my dreams. And she's like the generic WWE babyface who has no personality and no thoughts of their own. And so only like, I'm a nice person and this is the brand. And that's the extent of her character. Instead of, like, up until the title win, she was just this badass who beat everybody. And now she's generic WWE babyface. They've they've let Rhea Ripley down since she's won that title. But Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, just, does it feel... I think it does feel like less of a big match than it did when the match was being made. So I think that's that's less than ideal. Mia Yim was being interviewed backstage. Guess what? She was interviewed, waiting to be interrupted. This interruption was quite unique. Well, not unique in a way, but Raul Mendoza was kidnapped, thrown in the back of a van, or I guess a car, by, by two masked men. Uh, reminiscent of Samoa Joe in 2010, if you remember, Samoa Joe was kidnapped on Impact once, and that went nowhere. But, like, Raul Mendoza was kidnapped on this show. He was abducted by men, two men throwing him into a car against his will, and, like, the show just continued for, like, I don't know, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> it's so bizarre, like, within, within the, the, the context of the world of NXT, that a man was kidnapped, and they were like, and now on to Tegan Knox against Diona Perazzo for the qualifying match, and we're going to continue business as usual. We're not going to update you on why this man was kidnapped. We're not going to be like, oh, hey, maybe we should do something about this man being kidnapped. Like, if you're going to do a kidnapping angle, if you're going to have a character on this wrestling show be kidnapped, do it at the very end. So at the very least, you can go off the air being like, he's kidnapped. What kind of, like, company? Imagine if you went into work, and you're there for a few hour, an hour, an hour and a half, and then somebody gets kidnapped. And then you're like, all right, guys, just continue working. That's not how it would work. Come on. No investigations. Nobody being questioned. Like, oh, well, Raul's gone. On with the show. It's a very WWE. But yeah, Ramondo's a kidnapped. Who could possibly say by whom or why? Is it the same people who kidnapped Samoa Joe? Is this a 10-year storyline? I hope so. I hope Samoa Joe kidnapped him. It's revenge. He's like, the kidnappee has become the kidnapper. Tegan Knox defeated Dionna Perazzo very quickly to earn a spot in the number one contenders ladder match at TakeOver before WrestleMania TakeOver Tampa. The match was, it was, yeah, it was a very quick match. The owner didn't get much in. Tegan won pretty comprehensively. So the person who lost the cage match feud is in the ladder match. And the person who won the cage match feud is now not in the ladder match. Because, sure, people are pushed for a week. Undisputed Era came out. Dream interrupted him. He talked for a while. He wants Adam Cole, basically. And Cole will have a celebration next week. 
the Brotherweights took on the Undisputed Year in a really good, not great tag team title match. There was a lot of shenanigans and interference from both the Undisputed Year and then eventually the Grizzly Young Veterans. Before the Brotherweights eventually just retained the belts, uh, they, they had this wasn't the takeover match. The takeover match was better. Even if that takeover match left me a little numb, it was still better than this. And yeah, this was... It wasn't even like a TV version. Like, it's a pretty good... It's the most forgettable good match you'll see in a while. As as the Brotherweights retain, I assume that this is, this is a, like it felt like they were setting up triple threats last week. Maybe they'll pivot just two straight Brotherweights against Grizzly Young Vets. We'll find out coming probably in the next couple of weeks. Next week on NXT, Adam Cole will hold a championship celebration while Mercedes Martinez will face Candice LeRae in a qualifying match for the Tampa ladder match. And we had our main event segment. Tommaso Ciampa came out. What was he talking about? No possible way of knowing because he was waiting for Johnny Gargano to interrupt him. <laughs> it's like, it's it's gone beyond the satire at the, at the stage is that literally nobody talks to say anything on this show. They always talk just waiting to be interrupted. It's, it happened four times on this show that people were doing a promo just waiting to be interrupted by something or somebody else, either a kidnapping or Johnny Gargano sitting in a conference room. Gargano was backstage talking shite. Champa went and found him. They had this big brawl all over the performance center. It was a fun little brawl. Maybe a tad long, but it was still a real fun brawl where they trashed the performance center. So I'm bored with that. And eventually uh, Champa hit the air raid crash off the perch through the announce table as the show went off the air. And a good closing segment, as I said, maybe a tad long. But seeing people just, just breaking mirrors and throwing each other through glass doors... It's, it's, it's totally, like, it's, you know, WrestleMania 17, Big Show, Kane, and, and, and Raven. It's, it's basically that. But that's fun. And I'll always be on board with that. And even if Champa and Gargano's a dumb few that makes no sense, at least have them throw bins at each other and brawl through crowds. Which maybe shouldn't do crowd brawls in an era of coronavirus, but, you know, that's probably neither, neither here nor there. So, yeah, that's, that's WNXT. As I, I haven't thought enough about which show I preferred. I think it's probably... I think like NXT wasn't terrible this week, even if it had a bunch of little niggling things that really annoyed me. So, yeah, I'm probably going to go AEW. Because AEW had better wrestling. And, but yeah, it's, it's AEW, now that I think about it further. AEW had better wrestling and better storytelling. So I, NXT wasn't awful, but it's also not really worth watching best matches of the main event and the main event wasn't particularly anything special match of the week i would probably say is the death triangle against a private party and george and match yeah let's go with that one that's a good match uh to the fan poll by the way you voted 83% AEW, 17% NXT with 90 votes. I'm sure Liam will probably watch these episodes of NXT. I told him, Liam, you still have to keep up with NXT. And he was like, really? And I'm like, yes. You do want to come back and do the podcast, don't you? I hope he wants to come back and do the podcast. I'll be sad if he doesn't want to come back and do the podcast. Because then I'll have to either find a full-time replacement, or you'll have to put up with this every week. Just me. And no one wants just me. As I said, I don't want just me. So I can't possibly expect somebody else to want just me. Though it does make sense that this is about half an hour, and usually the podcast is about an hour, so it literally just subtract Liam's takes, and it cuts the runtime in half. So that makes sense. You can follow me on Twitter at Gary Kidney, G A or E T T K I D N E Y. You can follow Liam on Twitter at Larrikin, L A or I K N, when he eventually returns. I'm sure he's, he'll appreciate me plugging his Twitter. You know, you can still follow Rob on Twitter at The Or Double or at Brit Res Roundtable. I don't know what the Brit Res 
one is you'll find it and you can follow the podcast on twitter at wargamespod if you would like more elite and AEW coverage in your feed there's everything elite sitting there waiting for you talking all about i'm sure dark and other things does anybody talk talk about dark i didn't watch dark this week it looked kind of grim it looked a little dark. <laughs> Jokes. And if you want more dirty coverage, there is Shake Them Ropes. Hopefully Liam will be back next week. Fingers crossed that he is no longer homeless. <laughs> we can do a po- The priority is the podcast, not the homelessness, of course. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.